If you can all make your way back to your seats, we're going to get started in just a moment. Thank you. And if you could open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 is going to be the passage of Scripture that we're going to cover. Actually, we're going to cap, uh, cover chapters 3 and 4 today in the sermon. Um, but as you're uh, gathering, I uh, want to just share just a few uh, details about um, just an update about how uh, our trip, John and I, to Croatia went. I want to thank all of you for praying uh, for us as we went to visit our church plant that God, by His grace, enabled us to to send Mario and Jan Vucenovic. Uh, it'll be three years this coming August, which, glory to God, we've been able to sustain this couple. And also Daniel and Caitlin Crocker were sent out from us as long-term missionaries to help support the church plant. And uh, what a delight it was to meet with Mario and Jen and Daniel and Caitlin and the church. Uh, the church is growing. It's exciting to watch what God is doing. And last week, uh, John and I had the privilege of worshiping to in Christ alone. All I have is Christ and amazing grace in the Croatian tongue. And I was so thankful and it was such a joy to watch Daniel Crocker out from the midst of our congregation leading the church in Croatia in worship. It is a precious church and I am so thankful to God that we have been able to be just a part of it. And the visit was timely. It was much appreciated. I think Mario and Jen and Daniel and Caitlin, we got to meet with them multiple times throughout the week. They were much encouraged in Christ. And um, I'm excited to tell you that um, coming up in uh, June, uh, Mario and Jen and their family are going to be coming back to the U.S. for sort of a fundraising furlough, which will be from June to August. And I want to just get you praying for that in advance. One of the things we realize with uh, Croatia is that you, you don't want to simply think in terms of a two-year plan or a three-year plan, but you want to think in terms of a 10-year plan. And getting that church established financially um, and also Mario and Jen getting a home in Croatia to be able to kind of use as a base of operations for uh, evangelism, um, it is going to be so vital and that is really the two uppermost burdens that Mario and Jen are really praying about. So if you could pray for uh, financial stability and also a home in Croatia, getting a loan for a home in the U.S. is very easy in comparison to getting a loan for a home for purchase in Croatia. Mario has been to the bank like seven times trying to make it happen, and every time he's getting denied. Um, and it's been very hard for them. And that's been something that they're longing to do. And so pray for them for wisdom in that. Pray for God to open the door for them to be able to um, just attain a financial stability for the long haul and also a home for their family. Right now they're rent renting a beautiful home, <coughs> but they would like to own a home in Croatia so that they can start to send down roots into the community there. And um, on June 23rd, uh, Mario and Jen and their family uh, will, Lord willing, be with us. Mario will be preaching uh, to us, and that will be great. Pray that their time here in the U.S. while they're here this summer would be very profitable. What they're planning to do is uh, they're planning to uh, visit as many churches as they can visit in order to tell the vision about Croatia so that they can get long-term supporters, um, even in churches that they haven't yet ever met or visited. So if any of you have any ideas about that or any church contacts or um, churches that you know are really committed to 
the worldwide expansion of the gospel, uh, to international church planning, to supporting missions. Um, would you let John and I know that so that we can potentially put Mario and Jen into contact with uh, some of your contacts? That will help us uh, tremendously to just set them up for success as they're on their fundraising furlough. What they're planning to do is they're going to rent an RV and they're going to travel around the eastern part of the United States and visit different churches one after the next throughout the summer so that they can get back home to Croatia to continue the good work of the church plant. Daniel and Caitlin will be there to help sustain it. Their language study and learning is going at a more rapid pace uh, than even they had anticipated, which is exciting. The language is hard to learn, but Daniel and Caitlin are doing a great job. And there's another couple by the name of Dragan and Bronkitsa, and they are sort of really a, a really a right-hand couple for Mario and Jen, as well as Daniel and Caitlin. Mar- uh, Dragan went to the Croatian Bible College with Mario the year that he went there, prior to us sending him on the plant to launch. And uh, we had a wonderful opportunity, John and I, to encourage Dragan and Bronkitsa and their family as well. And uh, what a what a delightful family they are. Um, there is a wonderful, precious church that God's raising up over in Croatia. And Christ's community, um, it's all God and it's all His grace. But I also want to thank you just for your faithful giving to our Croatian mission fund that we have every second Sunday of the month that we gather money for. It's enabled us to sustain, um, along with our partnership in Sovereign Grace Churches, this precious church plant on the ground now, heading on three years. And I'm so excited about that and uh, so looking forward uh, to the days uh, to come. And you'll also be happy to know, I mentioned to you a while back, that in Croatia, the way that the people greet is they greet one another with a kiss. Uh, they they kiss on the right side of the cheek and then on the left side of the cheek. Mario and Jan have explained this to me numerous times on how to do it right, and I always mess it up. There was an older woman in the congregation when I had the opportunity to preach a couple years ago when we visited them, and I went to greet her. And I just kept thinking, go the right way, you idiot. Go the right way and do this right. You can do it. And don't you know, I went the wrong way. And and the way this works, as you know, it's sort of like a rhythmic thing. It's like if you go the wrong way, you blow it up twice. And I kissed this older woman in the congregation twice on the lips. (laughs) And so I was carrying anxiety on the plane about greeting other people in Croatia because I didn't I don't want to ever do that again. <laughs> and Daniel and Caitlin and Mario and Jen said, CB, don't worry about it at all. In the north, they don't greet as much like that as they do in the south. So just forget about it. Don't do it. Uh, we don't want you to do it. <laughs> and so you'll be happy to know that uh, there was no blunder on the part of your pastor this past week in Croatia as well. But church, thank you for your love. Thank you for your excitement and your enthusiasm, your passion for the worldwide expansion of the gospel. I'm so grateful for all that God has done. He has been so glorious, hasn't he? And aren't you so thankful that we have the opportunity to, to be a part of what the Lord's doing in Croatia? Well, um, this morning, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at um, the crossing of the Jordan River. And as I set up the context of this, I, I've been thinking about this all week, but crossing over the Jordan River is is an imagery that's picked up even by believers today as really crossing over from the wilderness and into the promised land. Crossing over the Jordan River is likened to when a believer in Christ crosses over the river of death and goes over on the other side and gets to see Jesus face to face. And it's an emotional point this week in in light of Teddy. And I've just been thinking about her seeing the Lord 
face to face this week and it's just caused me to, to get emotional. And so I thought I'd share it on the front end so I'm not crying my way through the entire message. But God, by His grace, brought Teddy safely home this past week. And my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, God's also going to carry us safely home on our wilderness wanderings on the way to the promised land. And the point I want to make this morning is God delivered Israel out of the wilderness and into the promised land. He will do the same for us. He will do the same for us. Amen? Let's pray and just ask for God's help as we as we read God's Word. Lord, thank You so much for what You're doing in Croatia. Thank You so much. Lord God, for the way you're advancing your gospel all over the world. Thank you so much for the example of the godly men and women in our church. Thank you for the example of Teddy, who ran the race marked out for her faithfully. And is an example for all of us of how to finish well. I pray all of us as a church family would finish well. That we would run our race well with perseverance, looking unto Jesus. And we would also finish well as our sister finished well. Lord, inspire us and move us this morning as we look at Joshua chapter 3 and 4. And Lord, as we ponder the miracle of the crossing of the Jordan River. Lord, I pray that you would infuse every one of us who have believed in Christ, which is great confidence and assurance that you're also going to get us to the other side, even as you got Israel to the other side. We are so thankful for the hope that we have in Christ and the way, Jesus, that you died on the cross and rose again for sinners like us so that we might be reconciled to you and saved. Strengthen us as we read your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's three points to the message this morning. The first point is consecration. The second point is crossing. And the third point is commemoration. Let's look first at the point consecration. From Joshua chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. The context here is 1406 B.C. The Israelites are just coming to the very end of their wilderness wanderings. And God speaks to them here. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out for Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. (coughs) At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Isn't that a great verse? And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the Lord. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Um, We talked about in Joshua 1 verse 8, the scripture about meditating on the Word of God day and night. And I thought that it might just be a good thing for us to just consider this as a sort of a church memory verse as we go through the book of Joshua together. Joshua 1.8, let's be reminded, says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. If there's a good word to meditate on here in Joshua chapter 3, 1 through 6, it's there in verse 5. 
Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I was marveling at verse 5 and this section here where the people of Israel prepare for God to miraculously enable them to cross over into the Jordan. And I was thinking of New Testament parallels to this call to consecrate yourselves. And I was thinking of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where the Word of God says this, Christ community, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The Christ community, in light of God's wonders that He has worked past through the cross, and also into the future with the return of Christ, that Steve and Tom reminded us of this morning, in light of these wonders that God has worked past and also will work future, let us live a consecrated life together. The New Testament, when it picks up consecration, the word in the Hebrew, it means to set apart or to consecrate. Uh, to sanctify would be a, a New Testament corresponding word to the word consecrate. Kaldash in the Hebrew, it, it means to literally to set apart. And so, again, there's this connection here with Colossians 1, 9 through 13 that I want to read to you that I think will, will really inspire us. The Word of God says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, Paul said to the Colossians, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as, and I love this phrase, it's this phrase right here, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. There's consecration. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The inheritance of the saints in light. That's what Teddy's partaking of now. That's what we will partake of, brothers and sisters, in the future. The Word of God says He has delivered us. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so when you see here in the Old Testament where Joshua, under the command of the Lord, says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. We are to walk, brothers and sisters, in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walk in a manner worthy of the return of Christ. In light of the fact that Christ is going to return and He will cross us over the Jordan River so that we might, as John mentioned, our faith might become sight. We are to walk in a manner worthy right now of the return of Christ. We are to live, and this is what the Lord was seeking to impress upon the people of Israel prior to the crossing. We are to live in a state of readiness in a state of preparedness. As you see Jesus in the parables talking about the return and His return. There's to be alertness. We are, in a sense, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to be live, living with bags packed and ready to go when it comes to our state of preparedness and our alertness before the Lord. To consecrate oneself means to set apart, to walk in holiness. And that word holiness, it means 
other. And an antonym for holiness is actually the word profane or common. The word holiness is, is, is uncommon, other. We are to live, brothers and sisters, uncommon lives before the Lord. Holy lives set apart as living sacrifices, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and in a state of preparedness. We often hear how the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, sanctifies us progressively on our journey toward heaven. And He does. There's an emphasis here in Joshua 3.5, and it's an, an emphasis also seen throughout the New Testament as well, that we have a responsibility as the children of God to sanctify ourselves, to consecrate ourselves as Joshua 3 verse 5 talks about. We are to set ourselves apart, to be different, to be holy, to live uncommon lives. There's a great push today for Christians to just completely blend into the world. And if we completely blend in the world, that's what's going to lead to the height of our evangelistic effectiveness. But brothers and sisters, you don't see that in the Scriptures. You certainly see the the call to become all things to all men that we might save some and to to those other cultures that we seek to approach in the Gospel. We are to aim to enter into the customs of their culture so that we might win some to Christ. But never mistake, contextualization is never meant to be an excuse for worldliness. We are meant as God's people to live uncommon lives and we are going to stand out as lights in this world because God has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And so live as children of light. Walk as children of light. And as God says to Joshua and the people of Israel, consecrate yourselves, Christ community. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. We don't know exactly when the Lord Jesus is going to return, but we know that He will. Are you ready? Are you living in a state of preparedness? Are you living bags packed and ready to go? May God give all of us grace to live lives worthy of the Lord on a daily basis that He might be glorified. You know, I was thinking of the hymn, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And the people of Israel were just about here to cross the Jordan River with the ark of God preceding them. They were to consecrate or sanctify themselves to God in a special way because the Lord was about to do something great before their eyes. Brothers and sisters, God cares about our hearts individually before Him. And it's vital that we as His people do as His people Israel did before they crossed the Jordan River. Consecrate ourselves for the Lord has done and will do wonders amongst us. And when we consider Christ's death on the cross for our sins and His resurrection from the dead, let that motivate us, brothers and sisters, to consecrate ourselves to Him because He has done wonders amongst us. Such a God is worthy of the hearts of His people being consecrated to Him. Let us purify ourselves. Let us humble ourselves before Him and turn to the Lord in a spirit of expectant faith. That's what consecrating did. The people of Israel were to turn to the Lord and put their eyes on Him and look to Him with expectant faith. For the Lord has done and still continues to do wonders before our eyes. And if we consecrate ourselves before Him and and seek the Lord humbly in prayer, brothers and sisters, certainly with the return of Christ, but also in our day with the advance of the Gospel through His church, let us consecrate ourselves 
as the church consecrates itself before the Lord, the church moves in power. And the gospel advance goes forward with great anointing and power. And that's what we want to see. Amen? May God give us grace to live with that kind of preparedness as we await Christ's return. The second point we're going to look at is the crossing. The second C, the crossing. And for those, we're going to read verses 7 through 17 together of Joshua 3. So let's read God's Word together there. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, or as the Psalms say, the Ark of your might. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that He will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, I love that phrase, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and I love this this detail here, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Church, this is just awesome. You can't help but just get excited thinking about how God delivered Israel out of the wilderness and into the promised land with this kind of power. This is meant to infuse us with fresh faith as we look into our lives today and take great personal encouragement from God as we are in the wilderness wanderings of our lives on the way to the promised land called heaven. Oh, yes, indeed, that is a direct parallel. And we are going to be delivered out of the wilderness and into the promised land as well. God is going to do the same for us. And here in Joshua chapter 3, 7 through 17, it starts out first with a personal word of encouragement from God to Joshua. Today, Joshua, verse 7, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. This word of personal encouragement is meant to encourage us with the personal nature of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Alexander McLaren talks about this 
personal word of encouragement from God to Joshua and says it was a message from God to himself. A kind of gracious whisper meant for his own encouragement. A gracious whisper from Almighty God personally into the heart of Joshua for his own encouragement. It's so glorious that God doesn't just say, be strong and courageous, as he said often in chapter 1. And then kind of leave us to be strong and courageous on our own. The Lord constantly, does he not? Daily, brothers and sisters, as we seek his face, the Holy Spirit comes. Doesn't he? And he ministers personal words of encouragement to our souls. One of the reasons I think we need to meditate on the Word of God day and night is as we are immersing ourselves and saturating ourselves in Holy Scripture and in the precious promises of God, we position ourselves best to hear the Holy Spirit speaking those tender and personal, gracious whispers that are just between God to you. I will never leave you, my son. I will never leave you or forsake you, my daughter. In a way that only God, the Holy Spirit, can. To uplift you, that you might go forth and accomplish what God is calling you to do. It starts with a personal Word of encouragement in verse 7. A gracious whisper from God to Joshua to encourage his heart so that he might speak as he does in verse 9. Look, and Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites. He goes from personal encouragement that he receives from the Lord to encouraging the hearts of God's people. What a pattern for all of us in this room to follow, to be strengthened ourselves that we might go and strengthen and bless God's people, and that's exactly what Joshua does. He tells them these wonderful words, and it gives us insight, brothers and sisters, as to the purpose of the crossing happening the way it did. The Lord is going to miraculously deliver His people to the other side of the River Jordan. And the reason He gives it here is that they shall know that the living God is among them. And also, he wants to minister through the miracle of the crossing being as awesome as it is. As a great display of God's might, the Lord wants to do this for his people through his mighty acts. It's to this end, look at the second half of 10, 10b. He will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites. The Lord ministers assurance to His people that in the future, He's going to drive out all the enemies from their midst by speaking to them loud and clear this precious word of assurance, this precious miracle of His power. Let me stack up the waters of the Jordan River while it's flowing at flood stage. And I'm going to cause my people to walk across Not in fear of their lives as there's muck and mire from the water not fully evaporated out of the riverbed. I'm going to stack up the water downstream miraculously. And you know what? My people, they're going to cross on dry ground. 
And as Steve mentioned earlier, during the call to worship, he did the same thing in the Red Sea. Dry ground! And the nature of these miracles are meant to speak to us today, brothers and sisters, by word of application to our own souls today. That just as God surely delivered His people miraculously out of the wilderness and into the promised land, so surely, listen brothers and sisters very carefully, because many of you, you are battling remaining indwelling sin. You feel Satan pressing in upon you on all sides in your remaining fight of faith. Listen, this is meant to encourage you that just as Christ died and rose again from the grave on the cross, He's also going to make sure that your enemies will not overcome you. You are meant to be assured from this word that He who began a good work in you is is going to carry it on to completion. And so Satan, do your worst. Canaanites, go ahead and rise up. Enemies of God, marshal your efforts to persecute the church of God. You will never break her. The enemy and God's enemies. Dear brother and sister, my dear precious in battle brothers and sisters, they shall not overcome you. And I am not anchoring that in, thank God, into the optimism of C.B. Etter. I am anchoring that and anchoring you into that truth from the Word of God here. Joshua said, here is how you shall know, Christ's community, that the living God is among you. And that He will, without fail, drive out from before you, Israelites, all the Canaanites. By the nature of the miracle of the crossing over the Jordan that God brought about. Now, if you were listening carefully during the call to worship, Steve did such a great job highlighting this truth. And when he said this, it's such a glorious truth. Our series is entitled, Seeing Christ in All of Scripture. Steve said this, The Ark of the Covenant is a type of who? Of Christ. The Ark of God symbolizes the presence of God amongst the people of God. Here a great transition is taking place because all throughout the wilderness, the, the, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night symbolized the presence of God and guided the people along. That ceases now and it's all kind of encapsulated in the Ark of God, which is symbolizing the presence of God amongst the people of God. Here we see that just as the ark goes before the people of God to prepare a way for God's people to cross over safely onto the other side, Christ has prepared a way for His people through His death and resurrection. His shed blood on the cross has, oh, brothers and sisters, the the river of your iniquity and sin and the river of iniquity of, of my life and yours, brothers and sisters, God has stacked up downstream. He put all of that weight of iniquity and sin on His precious Son, which the ark only typified and symbolized. And God punished our sins fully, believer, in Christ on the cross, so that now there is no more separation. There is no more need to hide. You have brought us near, O Jesus, across the great divide. The river was a barrier that separated the people of God who were in the wilderness from the promised land. And there was no way for them to get into the promised land except God doing a miracle. Oh, friends, it's nothing for God to stack up rivers of water downstream and cause His people, three to four million people, men, women, and children, to cross over on dry ground 
right by the way in the sight of all Jericho. They were quaking in their boots. It's nothing for God to remove the waters of a river. But it was the hardest thing that God had ever done. And the hardest thing, the most difficult thing God had ever accomplished to overcome the iniquity of the rivers of our sin. Our sin had separated us from God. And there was no way for us to be able to cross over from the wilderness of this world into the promised land of heaven if it wasn't for the great and glorious miracle of God sending His own Son, the Word of God in flesh, the Word of God incarnate, Jesus Christ, to come down. There was no other way for us to get safely through to the other side except that God send His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross and to be our sin-bearer and to receive in His body the wrath that we deserve for our sins. And for Him to be buried, carrying our sins far away, stacking them up far away, removing them as far away from us as the east is from the west, never to be brought up against us again. And, through His resurrection, declaring us righteous in Christ in such a way that all obstacles are now removed and we can cross over on dry ground into the glories of heaven all because God has done the great miracle of removing our sins from us and reconciling us to himself. Oh, church, God delivered Israel out of the wilderness and into the promised land. He's going to do the same for you, beloved. Have you repented of your sins? Have you trusted in Christ? There is one way to cross this river. There is one way for you to make it into the promised land. And only one. And that's true for all of us. It's only through faith in Christ. It's only through following the ark of God. Across the Jordan River. It's only through following Christ. Through to the other side. That we can enter into heaven. And into the promised land. There would have been no way for us ever to enter into heaven had God not made the miraculous way that He did through His shed blood on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. Aren't you so thankful that God has even made a way at all? Let us never begrudge Him that there is only one way. It's only through Christ and faith in Christ and repentance in Him that we can be delivered safely out of the wilderness of this world and safely to the other side, to the promised land. <coughs> and I'm so thankful for the imagery of the crossing being the way it is to remind us of how awesome our God is. So sorry for, for the way my voice is breaking up. Let's uh, turn to our final point this morning. In Joshua, from out from Joshua chapter 4. Commemoration. Commemoration. In Joshua 4, 1 through 7. Let's read together. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan. The Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel 
whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you. This, this is awesome. Take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come. Here's the purpose. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished. That the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, the people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben, and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in all of him, just as they had stood in all of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. How awesome must this sight have been? The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Oh, what a memorial this must have been, church. And he said to the people of Israel, again, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over the Jordan, on dry ground. For the Lord your God, oh, here's the purpose, dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which He dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. And that you may fear the Lord your God forever. We are to live in a state of preparedness, looking forward to the return of Christ, while simultaneously, brothers and sisters, we are to commemorate what God has done for us in the past. I'm so excited next week for the opportunity we have on the last Sunday of the month for Koinonia when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together as a church family where Jesus instituted, do this in remembrance of me. It's like us carrying our stones and bringing them forth on the other side of the river safely and saying, Christ, his body was broken. His blood was shed and it's symbolized in this bread and in this cup. And when I partake, it's a testimony of remembrance for me that my Savior 
through his obedience and shed blood, delivered me out from the wilderness of this world, delivered me out from the second death, eternity in hell forever that I deserve. By his body being broken and his blood being shed for a sinner like me. Oh, with joy we do this in remembrance of you, Lord, so that we and so that our children, when they ask us, why do you partake of the bread? Why do you partake of the cup, mom and dad? Why? We might tell them. Our sins had separated us from God. And there was no way for us to get over to the other side of heaven. But God sent His one and only Son. His body was broken. His blood was shed, dear little one. So that you might cross over safely to the other side if you'll believe in Jesus. Commemoration. Remembering what has already been accomplished for us is a vital part of the Christian life. We must never forget to remember what God has already done for us through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Even as we also look forward with preparedness to the return of Christ. That He's going to come and take us home safely to the promised land. What a sight this must have been the 40,000 armed men of Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh helping their brothers, helping their sisters with their little ones in tow, prepared for war to go across. And as they walk across, they also cross by the Ark of the Covenant of God's might as a symbol to them. That just as I'm bringing you safely through on the other side, you're going to have enemies to fight once you get over there. Do not fear, for I am with you. And as you fight your battles, know this, I am the one fighting for you. And as you see the ark, and as you see these mighty men of war, let it only point you to to myself. And that I am the one who drives out your enemies from your midst. I am the one who is going to not only save you, but sustain you as you fight the good fight of the faith. And know for certain that without fail, I will surely drive them out. And I will cause you to be settled safely home in the promised land. He does all this that we as His people might fear Him. That our children might know Him. But also, let us not forget the nations. God works these mighty acts of His miracles. His mighty acts of deliverance, brothers and sisters. So that all the people of the earth might know That the hand of the Lord is mighty. That our God is an awesome God. And He reigns as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let not His people ever fear that they aren't going to make it. Because our Lord is a warrior. And He fights for us. And let all the nations see the greatness of His might and turn to Him in repentance and in faith like Rahab in Jericho. Because our God of mercy and grace, though He is coming in judgment upon the Canaanites, He will save all who turn to Him in repentance and in faith and cast themselves upon the mercy of Jesus Christ He will save any sinner who turns to Him so that all the nations might know that the Lord is mighty 
and so that we might fear the Lord our God forever. Oh, church, let us all be assured as the worship band returns that there's nothing our God cannot do. With God, all things are possible. Let us ponder the miraculous crossing of our brothers and sisters, the people of Israel. And let us remember our God caused His people, Israel, to cross over the Jordan River at flood stage on dry ground. He has caused you to be able to cross over as well through the broken body and shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us remember Him as we close in worship for His great faithfulness. Let us also prepare ourselves, church, and consecrate ourselves so that we would walk in a manner worthy of this awesome God who has delivered us out of the, out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son whom He loves. We don't deserve such a great salvation, but God has poured it out on us by His grace. He has been so good, has He not? He has been so faithful. Church, let us stand and worship Him. I was thinking as we were worshiping, how glorious of our God that the memorial that He asked for them to lay out is to pick up 12 stones in the midst of the riverbed, the dry riverbed that they crossed, to set them up over on the camp once they're on the other side. A simple memorial symbolizing His great power and might that had delivered them safely out of the wilderness and into the promised land. There's no great pyramid that He asked them to build. No great tribute that would bring glory to man. Just a simple memorial as they looked at the stones to remember God's mighty hand. Oh, brothers and sisters, we have a great Savior, Jesus Christ, whose body was broken and His blood was shed. to deliver us out of the wilderness and into the promised land. And we've already been delivered. It's like we're safe on the other side in Gilgal and we can look at the broken body and shed blood of our Lord and know that we're already saved. And yet we have many battles yet to fight before we finish our fight of faith. There's many enemies yet to slay, many sins yet to slay, many temptations from the evil one we are to flee, many acts of spiritual warfare yet we are to fight in prayer. But isn't it good to know that the same God who delivered us safely on the other side is going to fight for us. Now that we are saved, He will surely see to it that each and every one of us, His children, are safely settled in the promised land of heaven because He will drive off every foe. No weapon formed against us or forged against us will prosper, church. Because our God is with us. And He is faithful. And He is going to see to it that we make it. He's going to see to it that like Teddy who sees the Lord face to face, we also are going to see our Lord Jesus face to face because of His power and because of His might. Not one of us will ever be snatched out from His hand. This is our awesome God who saves us 
and who also sustains us in the midst of our fight of faith. Church, can we thank our God for being such an awesome and mighty God on our behalf? We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you and we give you praise. And we worship you for being the awesome God of might that you are, who delivered your people Israel, and who will also deliver us, your people, your church, safely through into the promised land where we'll enjoy you, Jesus, forever and ever. We can't wait to get there. We're so excited to see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ community, go forth remembering that the good work which God began in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Go forth in the goodness of that good news. God bless you.